Well, we are doing a series called Love My Church. We've been talking about what it means to be a church, and more specifically, what our values as a church family are, what things are important to us. And we've talked about our foundation is built on the Word of God and on Jesus, and we have to say things sometimes that are hard and difficult, but we say them in love, right? We talked about missions. We love missions. Missions is important to us. Uh, we've talked about our purpose and what we feel God has put us here to do. Uh, we've talked about one of our values is being a church family, what I was just talking about. So today we're going to talk about another of our core values as a congregation, and that is generosity. What does it mean to be generous? It means to give of yourself, right? To give of ourselves uh, financially, to give of ourselves uh, of our time, to give our effort. And so we're going to talk about what it means to be generous. And as a church, guys, we don't, <laughs> our leadership team here at the church, we try not to be really, woohoo, look at what we've done, right? That's just not who we are. But this church family, this congregation has been incredibly, incredibly generous over the years. You guys give, and you give sacrificially, and uh, we take that money and we use it to do ministry, to do things in our community, to do things around the world. Uh, when you give to missions, that money goes to our missionaries and our monthly support, and then what's left over goes into a fund to do projects. And over the last couple of years, guys, through partnerships around the country, we have given new shoes to every single elementary school in Lexington. Every kid in every elementary in Lexington has gotten a brand new pair of shoes because of you guys. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. We, we don't do press releases. We don't tell the community, hey, look what we did. You know, the kids know who it came from, but we don't say that. Uh, this year we gave brand new socks to every kid at um, San, um, Bryan Elementary through partnership with some missionaries. Uh, we gave Bibles to all the teachers at uh, one of the elementary schools. We got we bought a Keurig and some coffee, you know, because teachers need caffeine. And <laughs> so we, we did that, right? We've done those things. This year, one of our church family members donated a laptop. We sent a brand new MacBook laptop to a pastor in Madagascar. You guys, our kids raised money to get her new clothes and her kids' new clothes. So we've done a lot of things in our community because of your generosity. So I'm going to make you a little bit uncomfortable today. I hope that's okay. Some of you are like, no, sorry. Uh, that's my job, is to make you uncomfortable, uh, to help us. And I made myself uncomfortable as I was writing it, so it's all right. So how many of you would say you're a generous person? Don't raise your hand. How many of you would say you're a generous person? How many of you would say you're a tightwad? Don't raise your hand. Um, how many of you would say you're, you're kind of in the middle? So yeah, some of us are, you know, different play. And it's possible to be both. All right. I read a study uh, back a while back, and how many of you know that people who have less money are typically more generous with their money? There was a study of people that made less than $50,000 a year. They gave significantly more money away than those that made over $100,000 a year, which is crazy because you think those that have less would give less, but it's the opposite. How many of you know that Jesus taught more about money than he did about heaven and hell combined when he was walking around? How many of you know more marriages fall apart because of money than anything else? 
more than pornography, more than affairs, more than domestic violence. Money causes more marriages to fall apart than anything else, right? And that's one of the reasons Jesus talks so much about money and talks so much about being generous. And as Christ followers, as Christians, one of our main jobs throughout life is to become more and more surrendered to Jesus. And one of the hardest things to let go of is our stuff, our money, our time, our possessions. And so today we're going to talk about what it means to be generous and how we can be more generous. Now, part of this, I was inspired by um, a book by Andy Stanley called How to Be Rich. So part of this comes out of that. He wrote an entire book about being generous. So that's kind of where some of this came from. Uh, But if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And our Spanish family, I'm so sorry. I forgot to print my notes out in Spanish. I apologize. I try to do that, and I no excuse. I just forgot. So I apologize for that. So uh, Kathleen's doing a great job interpreting, so hopefully she'll be able to keep up, her and Pastor Maria. Someone did make her a sign that says slow. So if you see her waving a sign, I'm going to try to slow down because I get excited and talk too fast sometimes. Second Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. So Paul's talking to the church in Corinth, and he's talking about giving because they were taking collections for churches in the area who had been hit by famine. And so he said this, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Also, if you have a version app on your phone or your tablet, the notes are all in there. If you go to more and events, it's all there. So he says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a what? Generous crop, right? It's just the way it works. You put more seeds, you get more crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives what? Cheerfully. Now, that doesn't just mean you smile as you give. It means I'm excited to give. I want to give. Because I've given before. (laughs) I'm smiling, but I wasn't, right? Um, But he says, don't give in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will, listen to this, generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty what? left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of what? Generosity in you. Hmm. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So, guys, this is an amazing thing here. Paul says that when we give generously, God does what? Gives back to us generously. So then he says you'll have all that you need and then more to do what? To share with others. So, in this world, we often operate on the thought that, well, if I give, I won't have any more to give. But in reality, God owns what? everything. So when I give, God gives me more to give. This is an amazing thing. And and I'm not talking about prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about, you know, I promise if you give this, you'll get this back. No, because I can't do that. 
But I will tell you, God says right here, when we give generously, he gives more to us generously. And I don't know, many of you in this room have told me stories about how when you were faithful, when you gave when you didn't have to give, God provided more. Guys, I could tell you stories from our church family of people who said, Pastor, I didn't have enough to give my tithes and offerings, but I gave anyway, and God gave me a new job where I made more money, or God gave me this, or God did this. Because, guys, giving isn't just that the church can have money to do things. Giving is what? It's worship. It's surrender. (laughs) It's me saying, God, I trust you enough to do this. So, What I want to talk about today is how to be generous in giving of our finances, giving of our time, and how we can see God do stuff in that. So so a couple of things we see in this scripture. First is that we should enjoy things wisely. We should enjoy things wisely. What does that mean? It means it's okay to have stuff, but it's not okay to let stuff have you. Does that work in Spanish? I know that's a play on words, sorry. It's okay for for me to have things, but I can't allow things to control me. I can't allow the desire for things to control me. And guys, I like stuff. (laughs) I love technology. I am a geek to the core, okay? I love new stuff. I love, you know, technology. I, I love all that stuff. So I have to be very careful not to allow stuff to get me. So it's good to enjoy the things that God has blessed us with. God wants us to enjoy the things he gives us. And you might say, eh, that sounds very new agey to me. It actually says in Scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Paul says, teach those who are rich in this world. And believe it or not, every one of you in here, every one of you watching online is rich. You may say, yeah, you haven't seen my bank account. <laughs> if we consider people who Americans consider poor, you're infinitely more wealthy than the vast majority of people in the world. If you have a car to drive, you're richer than probably 80% of the world. If you have extra money to buy a coffee at Starbucks, you're richer than the vast majority. And I know we don't have Starbucks here, but Madeline's or Scooters or any of those. You're richer than the majority of people in the world. So he says, teach those who are rich in this world, which is all of us, not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God. Now listen to this who richly gives us all we need for our what? Enjoyment. Say that word with me. Enjoyment. Enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Now, by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they can experience true life. So guys, Paul says here that we should enjoy the things that God gives us. Have fun with those things. Enjoy them, but just don't allow them to control you. Does that make sense? Don't allow your stuff to control you. I'll tell you what, guys. I have a motorcycle. I love riding that thing. I do. I get out. I just smile huge. You know, it's just, it is so much fun. But I can't allow it to control my life. Some of you have horses. You enjoy riding horses. I don't understand that. But people do. They love it. I want something that does what I tell it to, and horses don't. Some of you enjoy running. I don't understand that either, but you enjoy it. It's good. Some of you enjoy knitting, or you enjoy whatever it is. But God has given you that 
to enjoy, but we also must be willing to share. So we're expected to enjoy the things that God gives us, but enjoy them wisely. Because God has a plan for you, and he has a plan for the things that he gives you. God has a plan for me, but he also has a plan for the things that he's given me. So we're expected to use the gifts he's given us for his kingdom. And those gifts, as we talked about a few weeks ago, are the abilities he's given us. But the gifts he gives us are also the things that he gives us. Use those things God gives you not only to enjoy, but also to build his kingdom. So he says that we're enriched in every way so we can always be generous. In, in verse 10 and 11 that we read earlier, it says, You will be enriched in every way so you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those in need, they will thank God. So two things result from this. Ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So God wants to use the things that he's given us to bless others and to bless ourselves. So when we're generous, God can use that generosity to meet the needs of other people, and God can bring glory to himself through that giving. And the problem is, guys, so many of us take everything that we get and we use it for what? For me, right? It's so tempting to take everything that God gives me and use it on myself. But he wants us to use that not only for us, but for others. He wants us to take the money that we've give, been given and use it to bless others. He wants us to take the gifts we've been given and use it to bless others. How many of you here drive a truck? You drive a pickup truck? <laughs> what happens when you get a truck? Everybody wants to borrow it. Or they want to borrow you to drive it. I kid you not, as soon as I got a truck, people are, hey, can you help me move this? Can you help me do this? And it's fine because I keep telling God, Lord, you gave me this. I'm going to use it for you. But it's a funny thing. I'd always heard that. I've even seen guys put stickers on their trucks and say, yes, this is mine. No, you can't use it. I mean, it's just. So God wants us to be rich in giving and to be rich in generosity. So we need to use our gifts wisely. We should give wisely. We should take the things we've been given, but we need to give wisely. So guys, here's the thing. You should pray about what to give and where to give it. There are times I come to you and I'll say, hey guys, we have this project we want to do. We want to do this. Would you give towards it? And what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to just give? No. You're supposed to pray about it and say, God, would you have me to give to this? And how much would you have me give towards this? You need to pray about it. We need to be wise about it. In verse 7 and 8, and we read earlier, it says, You must decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, because God loves someone who gives cheerfully. So don't give in response to pressure. How many of you have seen those commercials that come on TV for, I think it's the ASPCA? They show all the dogs in kennels and outside, and they have Sarah McLaughlin singing this song, and it makes you cry. What do you want to do? I'm like, just take my wallet. You know, get the dog out of the snow. But that's... We're supposed to just give wisely. So yeah, you may be supposed to give to that. You might be supposed to give to this program or that program, but guys, pray about it because it's God's money going through you. So guys, sometimes a missionary is going to come up here and they're going to say something that absolutely pierces your soul. They may come up here and, and talk about a project and, 
and God says, yes, that is your thing. You need to give to that. Some of you in our congregation have been taken by Africa, and God says, you need to give, and, and you give into a fund. Some of you give every month, and it just says Africa. You know what we do with that money? We send it to missionaries in Africa. We do it for projects. We'll have missionaries call and say, hey, they'll usually call Don Masson and say, hey, I need, I need money for this. And we say, okay, and we send it over there. Some of you, I got a, a text message from a missionary this week that we support, and he said, <laughs> he actually said, your church is so generous. He said, you guys pledge this to me, but then it seems like every month I get more than you say you're going to send. So he said, thank you. You know where that comes from? You guys. And this particular missionary lives in Nebraska, but he writes curriculum that goes literally all over the world. And this stuff that he writes trains missionaries to do work. It trains local pastors to do ministry. So that money that you give literally goes all over the world because of you, because of your generosity. So we need to give wisely. And we should respond to the Spirit's prompting about giving. Like I said, sometimes God is going to prompt you. A couple years ago, Al and Angie Copper said, we feel like we want to give locally. We want to do something. So they started a ministry called Homes. And there are, I would say, hundreds of people in our community that now have furniture because of these guys. Because they, were, they responded to the Spirit's prompting. And then some of you have given to them. You've responded and said, I don't know, it doesn't make sense, but I'm going to give to this. And so there are people in town sitting on couches today that came out of your house that went through the coppers to somebody else. So sometimes the Spirit speaks. Sometimes God's going to tell you to give money to a certain family. And you say, I don't understand, but I'm going to do it. Maybe God tells you to go over and mow somebody's yard. You say, I don't understand, but I'm going to do it. So God tells us things. We need to be, and we should be informed about the opportunities to give. Guys, please be informed about how you can give. There's a table out here in the foyer, those of you here, here in Lex. You can read updates from missionaries out there on that table. You can take prayer cards and put them on your fridge and pray for them. You can watch videos out here on the TV that highlights that. If you come to adult Sunday school here in Lex, Don Masson gets up every Sunday, or Amy sometimes gets up, and they share mis- updates from our missionaries. So we're going to give you an opportunity every month to give, every Sunday to give. So, so we need to be informed. We should give wisely, but we should also give faithfully. We need to give faithfully. Guys, when we give tithes and we give offerings and we give missions offerings, you know what it does? It increases our trust in God's provision. Tithing and giving, they increase our trust in God's provision because when I give and I say, God, I'm going to trust you, guess what happens? That trust level grows. So tithing and giving increase our trust in God's provision. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 the Lord said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Now, how many times have you heard God say, try it? Not very many. So when he says it, what should happen? Our ears should perk a little bit and say, okay, wait a minute. God's challenging me. He says, try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes won't fall from the vines before the ripe, says the Lord. Then all nations will call you blessed, 
because your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Guys, God says, try me. He says, when you give faithfully, I will bless you. I can tell you in my own life, I've seen God do this. I know in many of your lives, I've seen God do this. And when we give, and it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that God asked me to give 10% of my finances to him through the local church and live on the other 90. It doesn't make sense. But what it does is it makes me trust him. It forces me to trust him. And guys, he does more with the other 90% than I could ever do with the whole 100. And then he starts giving more, doesn't he? He gives you more and more. And then you can give more away to missions and to local things. God provides. It's, it's an incredible thing, guys, to see God do that as you're faithful. And I know this is a contentious thing. People are saying, Pastor, you're just trying to get in my pocket. <laughs> no. God doesn't need your money. What he wants is your heart. And our heart often comes through our wallet. If I want to see what's important to you, you know what I can do? I can open up your checkbook or your debit card register, and I can tell you what's important to you because what's important is where our money goes, is where our time goes, right? So he wants us to trust him. And tithing and giving is shift our priorities. We're so accustomed to being me first. We're so accustomed to being me, 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 me. And when I start giving, God changes that. In Deuteronomy 14, 22 and 23, the Lord says, You must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. This applies to all these different things you have. And he says, Doing this will teach you to always fear the Lord your God. He's saying, When I give, it teaches me that God is in control, that God has this. And then we should give extravagantly. And I know that's a huge word, extravagantly. Uh, but it comes from Mark chapter 14. And basically, in Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 5, we see a story of a lady who brought in a jar of perfume and broke it in and poured it on Jesus' feet. And the deal was this perfume was worth a fortune. It was, it was her retirement, a lot of people believed. She was going to sell this when she got older and use it to live on. And she gave it to Jesus. And in Luke 21, we see a story of a lady who came in and she gave a couple of coins in the offering. And Jesus said, now, this lady gave everything that she had. You know, rich people came and gave a little bit of their giving. She gave everything that she had. And both of the ladies in this story gave more than what was comfortable. And the reason they did that, the reason they gave to the point of discomfort was because they wanted to show God what? What he was worth. They wanted to show God how much they valued him. And when I give, when you give, when we give past the point of comfort, we're saying, God, I trust you. God, I love you. And sometimes God will lay something on your heart and say, I want you to give to this person. I want you to give this amount to the church. I want you to give this amount to a missionary. And you say, oh, that really hurts. I had that money set aside for a new pair of shoes, or I had that money set aside because I wanted a super grande coffee, or I wanted, and God is saying, give this. You know what that does? That makes me shift my priorities a little bit, doesn't it? And so they both gave more, and they wanted to show, and both of the women in these stories gave extravagantly. 
Mary's offering, that perfume that she broke, people said in today's world that would be about $50,000 for that jar of perfume. It's an insane amount. She gave it because she said, I want to show you how much you're worth to me. That's a huge, huge deal. And the widow gave everything she had to live on. So what is God asking us to give? Is he asking us to give financially? Is he asking us to give up some time? Is he asking us to give up the Saturday that we had set aside to go fishing or to go to the golf course and, and do something? Is he asking us to give some time every week to mentor a student? Is he asking us to give time to go teach a class on Wednesday nights for our preschoolers who are terrifying, right? I mean, it's, what is he asking us to do? What is he asking us to give extravagantly? We had a, my wife and I youth pastored in a town in southwest Missouri for about six years after we first got married, and we met a doctor. I won't tell you his name because he would kill me if I did, but he was a very, very, very generous guy, and, but you would never know it. He drove an old Jeep, not even the cool soft top Jeep, it was an old Jeep Cherokee, and his wife drove an old minivan. And when we first met him, we didn't think they really had a whole lot. But then they said, hey, why don't you bring the youth group over to our house one night? We'll have a pool party. I said, oh, that's cool. Well, I was thinking a house. They gave us their address. It was a three-story mansion. I mean, it was insanely nice. Their dog had its own actual bed. Like, I mean, they were that wealthy. He had his own room. And, um, but they had an in-ground pool. They let us run all over that house. They had huge TVs. They let us play video games. All kinds of stuff. They were always very, very generous. Anytime we needed anything, they said, hey, you come to us, we'll give you what you need. They lived pretty simply because they wanted to be able to give a lot. Well, after the tornadoes hit this town, there was a huge tornado that went through. These guys sold their house, sold their business, and they went full-time into homeless ministry. They bought an apartment or they rented an apartment. They lived in a smaller town and they gave everything they had to help people who'd been displaced by these storms. And we went and saw them a couple of years ago. We stopped in and we saw these guys and they were just glowing. I mean, they were more excited than I'd ever seen them in their life. And they're still driving old vehicles. They were given almost everything they had, but they said, God is being so good to us. We've just seen his faithfulness over and over and over and over. And we said, you had this incredible house. You had this incredible business. I mean, you were set. I said, that's not what God told us to do. And so they challenged me all the time when I think about these guys because they're just incredibly faithful. But they said they've seen God do more in them and through them since they did this than they ever had before because they're willing to give that up. So I'm going to ask the worship team if they would come up this morning. If you're physically able, would you stand with us this morning? We're going to take a few moments here. We're going to pray.